Here's a question. Is mom's retirement plan you? Well, increasingly, that may be the case, as one New York Times piece says. We'll tackle extended family living in harmony with the author of the best-selling book, Get Money, Kristen Wong, on today's May 14th, Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from up from my mom's half-finished basement, easy for me to say, outside Detroit, Michigan. I'm Joe Saul Sihai. And I am Kristen Wong. Coming to us from where, Kristen? Coming to you from Pasadena, California. So much nicer. I just like hearing Pasadena, oh. California. This is the podcast where we cover recent stories ripped from the financial press. Today, we're tackling one from the New York Times. Not only do we read them like some podcasts, but we're going to dive into how these affect your wallet, what you can do to invest, save, and pay down debt more effectively. And if that's not enough, we're also going to share a big idea at the end of today's show you can take with you to be better with your money the rest of your day and all in usually less than 20 minutes. Big thanks to Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting Money with Friends. Ubiquity offers simple, online, affordable, small business retirement solutions starting at just $75 a month. As we get back to work, you want to get ahead of the future with help from Ubiquity's team of experts. Visit myubiquity.com to learn more. That's M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. In fact, I was listening to a great podcast this morning, uh, an episode of the Tim Ferriss Show, talking about uh, restaurants, getting back in the game and getting back to work and talking about um when we're at restaurant or talking about discerning themselves by having better benefits and is they're looking to get the best employees possible now that everybody is for hire again, like how do you, how do you distinguish yourself to be better? And, uh, myubiquity.com might be a great place. Kristen Wong joins us, best-selling author of one of my favorite financial books, get money. How are you? I'm well, how are you? Well, I'm good. You know, just hanging out here at home. I know that's different than what I was doing two months ago. But, but how about you? I mean, all things considered, I'm doing okay. You, uh, I'm hanging in there. You ever think about not only quarantining, but also having family move in with you? Um, sometimes I think about it, you know, like when my parents get older, uh, will they come stay, but they hate California. So I don't know that that's going to happen. <laughs> so you, you moved to California strategically. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I did not say that. She did not. You like how I just twist that? <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about parents living with you today, your retirement plan being uh, your parents' retirement plan being you. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Bethany from the Money Mill House. It's time for today's headlines only at Money with Friends. All right. Today's piece comes to us from the New York Times. As we mentioned, it's written by Charlotte Cowles. uh, And it's called My Retirement Plan Is You. Uh, CMP Air Regis, 35, is used to living with roommates. For the past 10 years, he split the rent on his apartment in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan with two, and in some cases, three friends. But in June, he's getting a co-tenant of a different sort, his 78-year-old mother, uh, Rebecca. I don't think either of us expected to be in this situation, said Mr. Regis, a freelance filmmaker. His mother worked for over 40 years as a hotel housekeeper, rising to a management position until her job was abruptly eliminated three years ago. Since then, she's lived off her slim retirement savings. She liquidated most of her 401k to pay Mr. Regis's college tuition in 2002 and whatever part-time cleaning job she could find. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, she again was out of work. And at the end of May, the lease on her subsidized housing in Boston will expire. She can't afford the rent. 
I don't know what she could have done better or how she could have prevented this, Mr. Regis said. She worked long hours, never called in sick, and cleaned houses to make extra money when she wasn't at her hotel job. She had no vices. Still, as a single parent raising two children, she struggled to save. When she lost her job, she had $600 in her savings account. He said she had nothing to fall back on. Nothing except her son, that is, which makes Mr. Regis one of the growing number of millennials who are supporting their parents financially and, in some cases, giving them a place to live. Known as the reverse boomerang effect, the phenomenon of parents moving in with their adult children, often for financial reasons, is on the rise. According to a Pew Research Center analysis of population data, 14% of adults living in someone else's home in 2017 were a parent of the head of household, up from just 7% in 1995. And this trend is expected to balloon in the coming decades as baby boomers leave the workforce but can't afford to support themselves. Expressed in starker terms, the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College has predicted that half of today's workers will not have enough savings to sustain their standard of living when they retire. According to the AARP Public Policy Institute, one in five Americans will be over the age of 65 by 2030, compared with one in seven in 2017. And our nation will face a severe shortage in accessible and affordable housing to meet their needs. Enter the resurgence of multi-generational housing when adults from at least two generations share the same home. After declining to its lowest point in 1980, multi-generational housing is now close to its 1950 peak, representing 20% of the total American population in 2016, according to another Pew analysis. While that trend is largely is largely driven by 20-somethings living with their middle-aged parents, Pew researchers found that older adults were also significantly more likely to be living with their grown children in recent years than they were in the 1990s. Younger generations should take this pattern seriously, says Georgia Lee Hussey or Hussey a financial planner in Portland, Oregon, who has clients across the country. Most of my clients have at least one parent that needs to be factored into their financial plan, she said. What's tricky is that for some Ameri for some families, it can be unexpected. Especially in white American culture, people over 60 are often uncomfortable talking about their finances and ashamed to ask their children for help. Oh, boy. Kristen, there's so much. There's so much to unpack here. The so much. The first thing I want to question he says that there's nothing his mother could have done differently. Um, is that challengeable, do you think? Yeah, because immediately I thought like, well, she had cashed out her 401k to fund your education, which I'm not saying she shouldn't have done. But like a lot of people, I remember reading a few years ago about this, how people were like, how am I supposed to pay for my kids college? And a lot of financial experts like, well, don't cash out your retirement accounts, because that's only going to create a burden for, you're only going to be a burden yeah. for them later, a better word there than burden. But you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, she could, she could have had retirement, but then I guess, how could he afford to go to school? But then she ended up, you know, living with him in this situation. I, I'm sure that's probably happening to a lot of people. Well, it's like that advice that they say on airplanes. Remember we used to ride on airplanes and weren't afraid every time we got on a plane. Remember those days, Kristen? The, no. <laughs> uh, when they, when when you get on an airplane and they're telling you, you know, if the oxygen mask drops, put your own mask on first, right? Yeah. Make sure that you're you're okay because you can't help anybody else if you're not okay. So if she's cashing out her four hundred one k ahead of time, I totally agree with you. That's not a great idea. And then the then the second thing I remember, you know, some some advice. Which don't get me wrong, to some people you just can't do more than you 
can do, you can do whatever you can. So it might sound a little trite, but I remember Susie Orman saying once that um, you think you can't save for retirement now. Think about yourself and you're at retirement and you haven't saved a dime. Which one scares you more? And she said a lot of the time mm-hmm. we have to put ourselves in that future view so that we're afraid enough that we do the thing. Because study after study shows that if you actually just hide the money from yourself, it turns out that your brain is really smart and you can find a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's sort of sad because it's like it reminds me of that Paula Pant quote where she says you can't aff- you can afford everything but, but you can afford everything. anything but not everything <laughs> and not not at once right so it's like oh you can afford to retire you can afford to go to school or you can afford to but you can't afford like all those things yeah, right because yeah. like, he couldn't afford to go to college and so she had to. I don't know. And then the other thing that strikes me about this is like, I talked to my mom about this kind of stuff a lot. She's like, well, that's different. Like in our culture, you do. Cause I have a cousin who lives with, um, I shouldn't laugh. I have a cousin who lives with my aunt. Right. And yeah. so he's like close to my age. Um, and he's never lived alone. And I'm always asking my mom, like, well, why doesn't he want to live alone? She's like, Kristen, in our culture, like, that's just normal. You live with your parents until you get married. And when, and then vice versa, the parent comes and lives with you. But, but our culture is a little bit different and we're not doing it because it's a cultural thing. We're doing it for financial reasons. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask is, is, uh, Maybe will there be a cultural shift? I remember one of my favorite movies of last year was a movie called The Farewell, which is a woman who is a uh, Chinese American woman going back to China to to say goodbye to her, to to say goodbye to her grandma. And grandma doesn't know she's dying because in that culture apparently you don't tell them, you, mm-hmm. you you just lie to your elders. But there is also this culture of taking care of your elders, where I feel like in America it's more. You know, like uh, we do this live on on Facebook with our friends and our and, and Bill here says uh, most parents won't be able to leave a large financial legacy, but every parent should strive to avoid becoming a burden on their adult children later in life. And I think that's where our focus is. I get over 60, Kristen. I don't want to be a burden. We're in some other cultures. Mm-hmm. It's not really I don't think considered a burden. It's consi- it's, right. what, it's what we do. Yeah. And it's almost like an honor to be able to take care of the elders in your family, I think. But American culture is is very different, you know, so I I don't know, like, how will that change? It's just it's in other cultures. I wonder, do, do they do it because that's just how things have always been done or the, do they do it because they haven't been able to financially like have yeah. that system in place to, to where everybody can be independent. That's funny you say that because Annette's asking the same thing. She said, was it a financial thing that turned into a cultural thing? You know, at some point, I right? Bet, yeah. Yeah. Now, how much of this do you think is related to the fact because, um, and to stop that question halfway through, but in, but in your get money book, you talk a lot about gamifying saving money, right. And about hiding money from yourself and doing these <laughs> things where you save money. And it seems for a lot of people, it goes from being a chore to being really fun. Like how much of this has to do with these statistics that people don't have enough money, especially in the baby boomer generation. The fact that we've gone from a pension society where retirement was handed to you by the, the company saved on your behalf to, to a 401k society where now we had to do it. Like we had to decide to do it. And a lot of people said, couldn't do it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, the financial, our economic system is changing so much. We talked about this during the last time we talked. It's hard sometimes to talk about personal finance because it's like we're just telling people how to navigate a system that is so deeply flawed. So sometimes I have issues with it. It's hard to write a book about gamification and talk about it and be like, oh, saving money can be fun if you hack it. I mean, it totally can. But it also feels really silly to say that sometimes in the contrasting it with the grand scheme of things, right? Right. Right. My mom had my mom took on a job that she I mean, frankly, she doesn't like the job, but she took it on because it had a pension because it's a state job. And like that sort of like, I'm glad that she found the job and I'm very happy for her, But it's just so crazy that like to make a career decision based on something like that, like part of me wishes that she could make decision based on like how she actually enjoys spending her time, you know? Yeah, no, I, I I know what you mean. Cheryl's dad, uh, her his retirement didn't come with healthcare, and so he um, uh, he took on a job as a bus driver in his early retirement years, uh, so that because it had healthcare, and and mm. I could never imagine that guy uh, on it, but he. He would have been the worst bus driver ever. It would have been, I, I love the guy, but they would have been throwing stuff at him and he would have had nothing, no idea what to do. It would have been a disaster for everybody. But you're right. It, it, it isn't as easy as just gamify your finances. I think there's a lot more going on. And part of that is, you know, deeper in the article, just before you stopped reading, they talked about how in culture too, people over age 60 don't want to talk to their kids about their money. Um, our, our, our mutual friend, uh, Cameron Huddleston wrote a whole book about that, that topic about mom and dad, we need to talk and talking to your parents about their money is horrifying for them. Oh, and you know, my mom's called, my mom is Chinese. You don't talk about that stuff. Like I saw that movie, the farewell you're talking about, and that is a hundred percent our family. You don't address death. You don't address the fact that anything could possibly ever go wrong. So then you can't really prepare for those things either. Um, so when I've tried to bring up like end of life planning, my mom just like says something in Chinese that like is tr- so trying to get the bad luck because I put some bad juju <laughs> into the air by bringing it up. <laughs> so she'll like, tell me to stop saying that. So it's really hard to have the conversation. And so, but, you know, sometimes I'm able to we have been able to have those conversations and talk about money a little bit more transparently. And I think the thing that's helped me kind of get through to her, and I'm sure Cameron probably talks about this in her book, too, is just saying what I'm doing from my for my situation and saying like, oh, well, I've been planning my will. You know, I don't think anything bad's going to happen to me, but like, this is what I've been doing. And then she will get a little bit curious, like, why are you doing that? And ask yeah. questions and kind of gets the conversation going having having it be like a no judgment discussion right totally yes yeah that's it's interesting you say that because i've tried to do that in our family a little bit like share little bits about what's going on with us financially to some family members that aren't aren't doing that well they're not doing that well because they don't have means they have means They're, they're not doing well because they don't have great habits and if i if i went up to them and said hey i think your saving habits really suck like i i totally am the guy you want to punch but if we talk a little bit about hey you know what's cool i found this neat hack for saving money and we just talk about that hack a little bit i found my this one relative, I almost said who it was, my, th- this one relative kind of starts leaning in going, really? How does that work? And, and, um, trying to make it, but, but it's so hard. There's like this tightrope. I don't know about you, Kristen, but I feel like there's this tightrope I'm walking when I do that. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think what you said is so true. Like if you can be objective about it and not come from a place of judgment or like this, I think your habits should improve. Then I think 
people are obviously more open to the conversation. It becomes a much more palatable conversation. There's a uh, Melissa's hanging out with us. My friend, Melissa from here in Detroit, uh, Melissa says, well, my parents, I made it clear if they want help, they had to, they had to tell me everything. Here's, here's a question. I'm wondering though, if Melissa's an only child, because it, you know, with my parents, if there's three of us and I want to sit down and talk to my parents about their money, I better have my brother and sister on my side first. You know what I mean? <laughs> Otherwise we're going to have some weird conversations about, so why are you talking to mom about her money? Like, what's that about? I know. Yeah. There's that. Um, but, you know, to Melissa's point, I think that is true. Like, sometimes maybe you just need to be very direct about things and not sort of dance around the issue. And also, like, everybody's family, everybody's situation is different. So I feel like people know how their parents might take something or how their family members might take something. So I don't know. I mean, if you got to be direct, you got to be direct. I also think just, just the, you know, there's that thing that Jack Welch from GE always said, which is face reality the way it is, not the way that you wish it were, which is one of my favorite mm. quotes. Cause there's it's often, often I'm in that situation, right? I wish it were this way. Well, it's not. So let's just, but, but if the reality is mom or dad, sh or maybe both should probably live with you, Kristen, let's, let's help people move forward. Like, how do you, how do you make that transition? <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know. You want a beer? Um, yeah, I might need a shot for that one. I don't know. I mean, I really am out. I, that's not something that, that is something that should be on my radar. It's just not something that I've thought about, um, much or thought about how to have that conversation, except, uh, you know, my mom will kind of casually bring it up sometimes like, Oh, what is, this going to look like, like you wouldn't put me in a hole, like things like that. Like, but the, the, we'll just kind of joke it off, you know? So I don't know, like what have, I'm curious, have you had experience with that? Only when I was a financial planner, my, my thought process was, and I've been a financial planner for a while. So I think it's worse now than it was then. But the, um, but the key always is like it is with an organization, with any public relations thing going on, get out in front of it quickly. The quicker I know that my parents are in trouble, the more I can do. If I, if, if I'm able to figure out that this might be a part of my financial plan, I then put my team together, whoever that might be. And I start planning on the fact that this might not be a retirement for Cheryl and I, this might be a mm. retirement for Cheryl and I and my parents. Right. Mm -hmm. So it might include other people. Um, we do have a family member, in fact, that, uh, that we may end up in the future helping to take care of. So that's gotta be a part of our financial plan. Um, but knowing, knowing that early and just accepting it. And then, you know, then the, then I, th I think you have more options then if it's early, mm -hmm. like if I can actually get out in front of it and talk to, you know, my mom about what type of nursing home I'm going to put her in, like that would be, <laughs> <laughs> I said that to my mom one time um, when my grandfather, they, had, they had, had had to put my grandfather in a nursing home. And I said that to her, I was like, oh, I could never do that to you. She's like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> but also like she felt bad. But, you know, now that you say that, I do, I have had some conversations with my mom where I will get like little tidbits of what they're going through. And they're still relatively, you know, both my parents are still pretty young, but like you still should have these conversations because like you said, like the more time you have to prepare for what might be the inevitable, the better. So I will try to, you know, I know what their income is. I know what their expenses are. Um, I, I have an idea of like what their social security might be and things like that. So then that kind of 
gives me an idea of like when I need to start planning this, I have some hard numbers to work with. Yeah. And, and on the parent side, I think that's equally as important as, you, as you're talking. I'm thinking about um, like these books that you can get. I know that uh, Chelsea Brennan has a book that they're using on the series Dead to Me. I don't know if you saw that. They're actually using it as a prop. Did you see that? Oh, I didn't. I've seen the show, but I haven't seen the, that prop. Yeah, they actually called her to see if they could use her book, which is all it is, is a book of where all your financial documents, like all your financial life is buried. And so, you know, the, the quicker. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe um, mom and dad don't need to tell you everything or you don't need to tell your kids everything if you want to be private, mm -hmm. but at least having it in a place where they can find it and they know where everything is, I think is important. Bill, in fact, says here, end of life planning is um, uh, well ahead of time. Still one of the greatest gifts a parent with less means can give, give their loved ones. I totally agree mm. with that. And another thing, yeah, so well said. another thing I liked on that point, by the way, Bill, to your point is if, if you've got stuff you really want your kids to have and you don't need it, don't, don't, don't put it in your estate, give it to them while you're alive and you can watch them enjoy it. Like when we would, I, I don't understand this. I've never understood this fact. Hey, I want my kid to have this thing. Are you using it now? No, but I'm going to wait until I die. Mm. Well, well, that's no fun for anybody, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. give it to them now if, if, if you're able to. That got morbid in a hurry. Isn't that also better for tax purposes? I would think so because then you can, you can, well, and it was more so before when more people could claim itemized deductions, right? Mm, okay. Than, than this year. But if you can still this year, then absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Give away as much as possible. In, in just a moment, Kristen and I are going to have our big takeaway. Kristen's going to totally make the show by saying something incredibly brilliant. No pressure at all. Pulling something out of the air at the last minute. But while, while, while I stall, while she comes up with something incredible, uh, I got to say a big thanks to Ubiquity Retirement and Savings. America's going back to work. And if you have a business, you want to be ready for them. And part of that is having a great retirement plan for everybody. It's going to be very competitive people and you want to be out in front. If you're a small business owner, though, you know that choosing the right retirement plan might seem pretty complicated. Ubiquity makes it easy to save for the future on your terms and within your budget. In just a few clicks, you can see 401k plans designed by experts online or talk to them and tailor a plan that meets your specific needs and the needs of your employees. Ubiquity's affordable flat fee plans start at just $75 a month. So whether you're a solopreneur, you have a team of 100 employees, everybody gets the same exceptional service at Ubiquity. Kickstart your future at myubiquity.com. That's M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. And by the way, if you tell them Chad and the team over there that uh, you heard it here at Money with Friends. Uh, I know they also have a discount offer for you. So you're welcome, people. You're very welcome. <laughs> um, Kristen, what's our big takeaway from this? I think it's just finding that icebreaker to have a conversation with your parents about um, what their financial plans are in retirement. Uh, even if you're a millennial, I think, you know, People who are maybe a bit younger think they don't have to worry about it, but apparently we do. And I think if you need, a, you know, it's going to vary depending on how your parents are and what your relationship with them is. But if you need a script, I think Mike uh, actually has a really great script here where he says, mom and dad, can I ask you a question? I think we should talk about your expectations. What do you want X, Y, Z to look like for you? I mean, I think that's a great script to kind of get the conversation going. 
Yeah, I, I really like that. And I think about my days of doing some uh, PR for American Express. And I also and I remember that whenever there's anything that's super important or going to be a big deal, the, the, the public relations rule of thumb is get out in front of it and control the narrative. Right. And I think mm. this is a place where it's the same for individuals. If if you see this coming down the tracks, whether you're the parent or the kid, frankly. Right. Either way, mm-hmm. if I think I might be moving in with Jimmy, it's about time for me to go talk to Jimmy, even if it is 15 years ahead of time, because there might be. There might be another solution, or if that's what you want, maybe you need to start laying that groundwork that that's what, that's what you want. But speaking early and often, I think, is so important, which is why this comes back to the same friction, Kristen, that we've always had. We talked about cultures a little bit today. In our culture, the fact that we don't talk about this crap, once again, gets mm-hmm. right in the middle of our way. Just like, is the only roadblock is that for some reason, we put this in the same category as politics and religion. Why... I get politics. I get religion. I don't get not talking about money. I don't, I don't understand. I know. I mean, I I think maybe this pandemic will make that a little bit easier for people to have that conversation because it's just unavoidable at this point, I think. But also like, you know, in the personal finance world, we always talk about like focusing on the things you can control. But a part of that is doing like doing that in the future so that you can control it when it comes up, Yes, you know, so that when it, it gets to that point, then it doesn't become something that you can't control. If you can sort of look into the future a bit and see what might possibly come up then that you can control now, well, yep. that's just one way to control the situation before I, it gets out of hand. I love that so much. One of my, I know I talk here all the time about uh, Stephen Covey and seven habits, highly successful people, but one of my favorite, and that that's a book by the way, that, that I've realized that I like it over time. Like when I read it, I didn't find it that compelling, but damn, I quote mm-hmm. it all the time. So it must be good. But, but a book that I knew was changing my life at the time, another philosophy book was the art of war and the art of war says the best battle is the one that's never fought, which is specifically mm-hmm. what you're talking about. If I can look ahead and avoid that battle ahead of time, like how many times have you seen people having stupid arguments? You're like, if you had thought about that for five minutes beforehand, <laughs> We could have avoided this whole stupid thing. So true. Yes. Kristen, where do people find Get Money? Because we talked about it today, and um, and I know that uh, it's it's so well, fun. Thank you. You can find it on Amazon. Um, I would I was going to say you can find it in bookstores, but like probably not right now. <laughs> um, Special order it though. At your so you can store. special order it. There you go. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we'll also find you at the Financial Diet. Yes, I am there, thefinancialdiet.com. That's fantastic. Kristen is sadly, sadly back for her last appearance of the season. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to tear up. Don't cry. Don't uh, cry. Um, tomorrow. So we'll see you then back here at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. Bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. 
As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.